Well, after a snowy March, April is here. Maybe, just maybe, spring is about to, well, spring. We're at the White Lion on London Road. Welcome to episode four of the Sheffield Hopcast. Hello, I'm James Marriott. Welcome to the Sheffield Hopcast. Uh, later on, we'll be catching up with Neepsend Brewery. We'll hear about last orders on one of our local breweries in Sheffield. Plus, we'll find out more about our venue tonight at the White Lion. Um, our theme for this uh, Hopcast is pale ales. Now, we're thinking beers that are perfect for the first outside pint of the year. That's the kind of theme that we're looking at. Uh, let's meet the squad then. Firstly, Hopcast co-host Adam Nicholson. What is uh, your favourite beer of the last month? Well, I went down to speak to Gav and Hannah at um, Neepsend and then um, afterwards travelled down to their, well, their, their, their brewery town, which is the Wellington, and I had their Walden, which is a, it's like a, I think it's a dry hopped oat. Pale, I think it is, like 5.2%. percent still got coming with a favourite beer and looking at everybody else <laughs> <laughs> for your description. 5.2%, one of those pints you could just literally, as soon as you taste it, that is perfectly like clean, really good flavour, Just you could just drink loads of it. Really good pint. Warden by uh, Nipsend. Very good. Um, Sean of Beer Central fame, your favourite beer of the month? Great to have a sunny night for our uh, fits perfectly mm. with our it uh, our weather predictions for the pale ales tonight. My favourite beer of last month uh, was uh, New Zealand beer. Uh, uh, we got some bottles across from Tuatara, New Zealand. Uh, uh, some fantastic breweries down there, and they have a pale ale called Kapai American Pale Ale, uh, uh, and again clean, crisp bitterness, which again I keep harking back to, but uh, loved it. And I'm just leaning towards those sort of lower ABV pale ale, so tonight's perfect for me. Excellent. Um, unfortunately, Laura can't be with us on the Hopcast this month. And we were kind of racking our brains thinking who would be the best person to fill the boots of Mrs. Rangeley. Um, I mean, who better than Mr. Rangeley? Jim, uh, Laura's husband, and also, um, and this is the description that we agreed on, uh, Abbeydale's Funk Master. <laughs> can go with that, yeah. I'm sorry, Laura. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry, Laura. Can't I have been practicing. And all avid listeners and fans of Laura, I'm no doubt going to be disappointed. Well, a warm welcome. Uh, what's been your favourite beer of the last month, Jim? Uh, I have to say it was the Arbor. I had a pint of Arbor both on cask and keg, um, and it was their Chasing Caterpillars, and it was like 4.7 cask beer, and it tasted great. It was right on. The cask was right on point where it should be. There was great like service on it. The, the condition was great. Really good hop character that it had. Where did you have it? Um, on keg, it was in the beer engine. Um, and on cask, I believe it was in Shakespeare. But it was just one of those pints that you could just drink all afternoon. Yeah. And... Yeah, like the weather. And you did. For today. <laughs> yeah. Drink, drink <laughs> responsibly all yeah. afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't walk into any road. Four hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, our self-confessed beer virgin, Rich Davies, is here. Uh, Rich, what's been your favourite beer of the you last You stole my line. I was going to use that one. Uh, well, you'd be glad to know it's not, it's not Belgian Blue this time. I suppose the last podcast I was on was at the um, at the Rutland, and we had the. You know the name is I've never, I can't remember it, the stout that we had. 
little critters. Um, oh, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Nutty ambassador. Yeah, and since that, I really got into Interstellar, and I've never been into them. Um, and there's two really, and and I bought, I bought a bottom broth from from Sean, and it was a Stay Puffed. Yeah. One. Tiny uh, Rebel. Yeah, and and your. Um, Ski Sunday. Okay, good luck. Yeah, which yeah, I yeah. demolished. Touch brownish. I'd say yeah. it's North Riding's, <laughs> if anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, uh, I don't think Stu listens, so it was Absolutely. our beer. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and five towns at Wakefield. <laughs> I do need to actually add another thing. The, um, the beer I said it was actually a collaboration with North Riding as well. Okay. It's not just a, a, a new <laughs> one. Just for a clarification. He did come Look, on. Sorry about it. collaboration beers tonight. <laughs> My beer of the month. You see, I'm going to go one better. I'm going for a three-way collaboration beer uh, which I think came out a few uh, a few weeks ago uh, I had it up in Glasgow a couple of weeks back and it's the the North uh, Wylam and Track three-way collaboration which is LDS MCR NCL or Leeds Manchester Newcastle uh, which is uh, double IPA and to be honest it was one of those beers that when I bought it, sat down to drink it, I wasn't really expecting anything spectacular and it blew me away. It, it was a phenomenal beer, really nice and just right up kind of the street of what I'm enjoying at the moment, which is those kind of hazy, quite thick kind of double IPAs. Um, and I thought it was superb. So there we go. Some good, some good beer chat there to get us going. So just to get that right, you had a three-way that blew you away. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Double check that. So that was... Basically, I mean, you that, took the female out on there. <laughs> it, was, it was around about kind of 9%. So with that in mind, what, what beer are we starting with tonight, Sean? At 2.9% <laughs> tonight. So we're, we're going for a small. We're, 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 we're grabbing hold of the sunshine and we're going to just... Uh, perhaps to come back to Jim's point early, something that perhaps... You can you can slurp all afternoon, uh, uh, sit back and relax and just uh, de-stress. So first beer is 2.9%. It's a new range that Cloudwater from Manchester are uh, uh, are starting to develop, and they're all called small. So small laurel pale. So laurel is the hop in this one, uh, and they've done a. Uh, a range of different beers, 2.8, 2.9, with different uh, hops in there. Uh, I've been drinking these quite a lot quite recently. I think they're fantastic. And again, shows the skill of the brewer. Yeah. I had a triple IPA from Cloudwater the other day. Uh, what was that, 10%, 2.9%. So when breweries can really yeah. jump to both ends of the scale and make things very drinkable, I think it shows a remarkable skill. So we'll kick yeah. off. I think it's a really good point, isn't it, about how good, and I think we've touched on this before, how good the low ABV, uh, ABV beers have become over the last, what, I mean, probably the last 12 months particularly. Um, yeah, going Because back. I wouldn't really, I, I, I didn't really want to sort of entertain them, and then I think it was a cloud water, I think it was the Vic Secret one, yeah, was, yeah. was one of the first ones the I had. And I couldn't get my head around just how just how, how, how tasty it was, how, how really, really good it, it tasted. Going, going back two or three years, uh, the, the two sort of market leaders were, uh, Buxton did one called Jacob's Ladder, and that was at 2.8%, and again, started to turn a corner really in terms of getting lots of flavour into low ABV. And then Siren did one, a quarter IPA, a quipper, or a half mast it was called, and that was in the same territory. Then there seems to have been a bit of a gap for it, and then the void is now being filled uh, with Cloudwater releasing these on a regular basis over the last <coughs> six weeks or so. So, yeah. how, how many have you seen like come in stock now? Because it is becoming more and more common, isn't it? Uh, the small ABVs, you yeah. mean, or Cloudwater? Yeah, yeah I mean, Cloudwater are leading the way at the moment. 
Uh, there, there aren't that many sub three percent. Because Colonel's is Colonel's table beer is yes, just it is. over three percent. Yes, it is three point two ish of us round. So, yeah. so why are they going lower? Just because obviously I'm the, the beer virgin. What, what's the yeah, thought process? Pra- 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 perhaps lower? two things. One, I'm guessing at, but uh, it shows it shows remarkable skill and versatility mm-hmm. as a brewery. And two, I think there's a market for it. They're selling great, so mm-hmm. there is there's clearly a market for it. And we we midweek particularly, yeah. uh, it works really nicely. Or a school night, etc. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, and, I and again, well, I don't know what your comments are on it or thoughts are on it. Like for a long time, people like people have been trying to push the boundaries upwards. Mm. So whether it's on bitterness, it was a few years ago, and then it was uh, the amount of dry hopping, and it's thirty grams a liter of dry hopping, and then it's and it's alcohol, or it's mm. like bitterness, or it's something. But I think pushing it that way only gets you so far because you reach a, a, a point where chucking more stuff at a thing doesn't make it better whereas if you can hone one of those things back because alcohol carries all that mouthfeel all that body whereas n- less alcohol but still tasting as full in the mouth and as still tasty I suppose the analogy you can use is like, like a curry you, you know if it's yeah. Dead hot, you can't taste it yeah, at all. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. bring it down, yeah. you can actually yeah. taste the, yeah. you know, the food yeah. and stuff. Well, that, you know. It reveals more skill, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. It yeah. reveals more and, skill. And, and chucking loads of chilies at a fowl yeah. is, is not really, it doesn't yeah. mean anything. Whereas yeah, yeah, if you're, yeah. you're kind of looking really well at the actual the bits of spices mm. that go yeah, into yeah. that, yes, you're right. It's, mm. it's, it sounds silly to say in that this we retail at 350 a can, because to many people out there, 350 for one can of beer is is um, ridiculously expensive compared with what they, they will be used to perhaps from the supermarket. But it also gives breweries like Cloudwater an entry point at a lower price level, mm. so not everybody's going to pay six quid for a triple IPA or five yeah, quid yeah. for a, 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 an IPA. Uh, and so it gives them a lower entry point and, uh, and we're seeing that you can see that with the people picking up these types of beers in the shop uh, you can see they're different to what cloud water customers would normally be and it gives them an entry point and it's clever then from cloud water because next time up someone will go for a, a pale ale pay a little bit more and, and get a little bit more ABV out of it at say five and a half percent and then away you go then it's a beautiful beer as well yeah. it's got a real nice kind of orange Kind of flavour that really comes clean. through. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think that's partially the, there's a yeast profile there that's kind of nice and aromatic. It's yeah. got a nice. I think you're right with mentioning mouthfeel earlier. It does. You, 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 you get it. You don't feel as if it's watery in any way as you're as you're drinking it. But you lovely feel. And and looking at what's gone into it, so there's. I'm going to sound really sad here, but there's like dextrin malt, oat malt, wheat malt, and maltodextrin as well as some other kind of oats, and all of those have less fermentable sugars, which mean they relieve, leave, leave some sugar still left over in the beer, which means they get more of a mouth mouthfeel. You get kind of more of a feel from all those kind of additional malts. So it's, it's a really complex malt build, even though it still looks the same as all the rest of the pale malts. But it's that kind of... It reminds me of one of my little favourites, Elvis juice. It's got that kind of yeah. It's got it's definitely got like of, a citrusy yeah, 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 kind yeah. of um, thing going on. I think going back like a few years, like I remember the first one under four percent, which I thought was like had flavour profile. Is like wild swan by um, yeah, 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 yeah. And very like good. having that yeah, yeah. three and a half, three point five percent, you can still get that now. I mean, I think we're kind of in a, a society now where like hops are just taking over. So maybe it would probably taste 
in, com in comparison to the beer is not quite as hoppy, but I remember tasting that when I was probably more like junior, <laughs> junior kind of ale drink, thinking, my God, that is hoppy. And like, I was still kind of go to a wild swan. Now, if it, I mean, yeah. there's another beer that you can probably get quite easily in Sheffield, like, we've got, what, five, six? Yeah, any Thornbridge pubs. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in bottle. Um, so, yeah. But this is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I really yeah, enjoy it. Something interesting that Clywater have done recently as well is changed the uh, dating uh, codes on the bottom of their cans. So looking on this one, uh, you get three dates now, whereas traditionally it used to be two canned on date and then uh, a best before, but they used to have really tight best befores because of course they want their beers to be so fresh. And now they've gone with a, a third, so you now get a canned on date, this was canned on the 19th of March, you get a, then a freshest uh, okay. uh, best before, so that's the date really that Plower, I think that bang, that's when you want to really be drinking this beer by. But only a calendar for this day. But if 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 you if if you're still <laughs> picking this beer up a little bit later, it has then the traditional best before as well. So they give you a little nod with that middle date as to what they think, or, uh, but then still are falling in line with with sort of standard procedures in terms of the uh, the final best before. I've got a few thoughts on that, but I don't want to go into it. But like, I don't know how much bullshit's in that. But <laughs> I mean, cause it, is it is it for? The consumer, or is it, is it for for the, the retailer? I think find it for, retailer. Is it is it for Sean that who who will take the box box of cans and there's only a week left on it, yeah. and then at that point it becomes unsellable almost yeah. because yeah. Uh, uh, whereas if you have a best there's what we recommend drinking date but yeah. still a um, use by date. Can they really tell though? Like the, the normal drinker, are they going to tell? In a way, I think it's quite they useful be, because they at least know. Yeah, yeah, they should at least. And you should know the difference, aware. and not and not, not yeah, know yeah, the yeah, difference, yeah. but yeah. know when it was canned. Well, or be aware of oh, that, that, that it might not be yeah. quite. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, if, any given time, I've normally got about ten beers in my fridge, um, and sometimes I can be a bit indecisive, and sometimes I struggle to decide which one to drink next. So what I'll basically do is look at the dates and think, yeah, right, which, which one that needs drinking the soonest. Mm. But the, those dates are not necessarily a particularly good guide as to. Yeah, it might be a beer actually that was that, that was made the furthest back ago or something like that, yeah. but it's just you know the way that that day works. I think the main issue is supermarket dating. It's it's not so much Sean because Sean pays attention to all his and, and small bottle shops do pay attention to their stock. They know when they bought yeah. it. They know what what it is. But it's when and we get it quick and we you get, get it quick. direct. You, you get can it get quick. it quick yeah. and you, even if it doesn't come out of their cold store as quickly as you you yeah. want to receive it, whatever. But it, it will sit on a supermarket shelf. Mm. And I saw some um, some tw uh, saw something on Twitter where people had seen cans of stone yeah, um, that yeah, were that. like yeah, two or yeah. three months out of date yeah. and on on final dates yeah. still on shelves in Tesco's, and they're the kind of biggest preventer of good beer going to the. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. To the general populace, it's all right us sitting around talking with Sean bringing us all these beers, but when beers are being consumed in in basically mass from supermarket purchases, yeah. and they're all out of date, they're going to be they're going to be bad, but is and it, people are going to get a bad image of what it, beer tastes like. Is it the supermarket that are driving it now? Because all these guys at the end yeah. of the day well, what, don't, don't, don't sell to supermarkets in their particular case though they do have retailers sometimes they are down the line so we're very lucky we're just over the Pennines from Manchester we up either out Turner's Dram Shop 
order our cloud water on a, a Friday, it comes on a Tuesday, yeah. mm. and it's just been canned that previous week. So we're very lucky, we can get it mm. quick. Yeah. We've got a savvy public in Sheffield, we can sell them quick as well. Somebody might be down in a different part of the country, maybe it's not coming direct from cloud water, it's gone to a wholesaler first, could even go somewhere mm. else yeah. before it, it, it reaches the retailer. And you can be really down the line on stuff. Yeah. And so this does just actually help the retailer. But I think it's a useful little thing for customers. It's useful well. for everyone worth to know. Yeah, it's definitely worth a mention. It's like a, it's one of the things that like is is it a marketing thing or is it actually I think we're talking about it, so it must actually, be something. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can buy I can buy a bottle of beer that's got maybe two, three years on it, like and I'm pretty sure that I'm not noticing any difference between it. One that I bought. I think you would if it was hoppy. I think possibly. That's what I'm saying. It's a question. If it's a stout, then it's, it, it, it would be arguably, better. Yeah, it would, be, it would be better. Yeah. If, yeah. if a stout goes out with date, then its value rises and its its taste it does, profile. It hasn't impact on you. I mean, I've bought beers from you and I bought beers from um, Jules or Bideau, which have been in like kind of the bargain yeah. basement bin thing, which because think breweries like um, like Brew by Numbers a very clear. Yeah. labeling system where it's you like know. this is when you you shouldn't be drinking after or, or yeah. ideally and you kind of have to go right i'm gonna knock a couple of quid off that yeah. and so is jules and i'm drinking thinking pretty it's sure right. that tastes yeah. exactly <laughs> the same as i expected to taste yeah. and if it's just yeah. a day like it's, some some is there is, 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 is it a bit overkill yeah, yeah. Uh, a fair number of breweries now to counter that and i know cloudwater have done it and they will do tastings based on um on the age to show you the difference because generally we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to work out the difference as general drinkers mm. but they will take you to a, a, a tasting sit you down and say right this here has been refrigerated yeah. at five degrees for six weeks taste that this one has, has been longer uh, uh, and, and, uh, and you, 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 you can show the stage of deterioration then yeah a lot easier mm. Well, I think it's for a 2.9, it is a lovely, lovely beer. We're going to um, get our second beer lined up. In the meantime, we'll find out a little bit more uh, about our venue tonight at the White Lion. My name's John Terry. I run the White Lion alongside my uh, partner, Mandy Billings. Um, We've been here for three years, uh, and we've currently changed from Punch Taverns over to Heineken. So um, just tell us a little bit more about the pub um, for people who have not, probably not been up this way. So it's traditional ale house. It's been a pub since 1781. Um, it's had uh, various owners over the last few years. Took a dive uh, for quite a while. Uh, we were always customers for here. Um, I took a voluntary redundancy from work and we took it on. And uh, yeah, it's uh, back to how it was. Uh, we kind of modelled it on what we liked about the pub in the first place. Uh, and looked at the core elements about what we enjoyed and brought it, those key elements back and uh, people came flocking back in as a result. So um, uh, for the, the, the ale drinkers out there, kind of what kind of brewers and what kind of beers do you generally have on tap here? So we have Aberdell Moonshine as a core regular. We're in Sheffield after all, it's, it's practically a given. Uh, we're an old school Tetley's house, so we keep Tetley's. Uh, we have Hobgoblin purely because we have a, a core group of people who come in who drink nothing but Hobgoblin, and they're our kind of, you know, our bread and butter customers. Uh, and then we have a Callum Island beer that's uh, dr- extra hopped for us as our house beer. Every other beer, we have 10 to 11 lines on at any time, uh, our rotation. So the other, apart from those four, we have six, seven, sorry, six beers and one cider that constantly change after every nine, swap it out for another beer every time. So 
we've featured everybody from um, Dancing Duck to Vibrant Forest to Verdant to uh, Dark Star. Um, anything we can get our hands on that w- we consider to be good and worthwhile as a as a beer. So, like, um, you're kind of situated in the Healy kind of Millsbrook area. Um, that's kind of becoming a little bit of a, a good crawl these days. Um, good, for people who have not been up this way, can you kind of talk about sort of the area, really? Yeah, now it's, it's good for it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's an amazing area now. Uh, it's almost like a mini Callum Island. Um, before, it just used to be the Sheaf round here, Sheaf View as a real ale pub. Uh, and then Shakespeare got took over as, uh, by, it's now the Brothers Arms. We've got uh, here, now we've got the tram shed up the road. Uh, we've got uh, Hop Hideout, which are equally amazing in Paul Beer in there. We've got the Broadfield next to it. It's becoming a real kind of path for people who like real ale. You know, I think the days of people just going to a pub and staying in there all night are pretty much over when there's a, such a variety of choice out there. Uh, I mean, the beauty of it is that uh, all of us work together, so we make sure we never have the same beers on at the same time, even even if we've got them in our cellar. So if you're a beer lover, unless you could drink 60 different pints in one night, you would never be able to... You could walk around all night and you would never find the same beer twice. Uh, and I think that's a really good thing. And it, and it proof why joined up working is so important in the industry at the moment. So to kind of finalise, in a few words, how would you describe the pub and how could you... How would you kind of um, get people to come to this pub? How would I describe the White Lion? It's uh, I, I would describe it as a classic, uh, traditional, old-school booze. There's lots of little rooms, uh, very much predominantly focused on real ale and spirits, particularly the whiskey. Um, we are a music-led venue as well. Um, but I think above all of that, uh, our focus for it and was and remains that it's a community pub we put so much stuff on here for the local community our rooms are constantly utilized we do fundraisers for local concerns uh, and that's kind of really what's important to us i want people to come in here and when they come in i know them by name and they know me by name and if they go missing for three days i want to know where they are and are they all right you know that's the kind of things that's important to me as a pub a big thank you to, uh, to John and the team for making us feel so welcome tonight. We should point out they have got live music on later on. There is a band that's going to be doing a sound check at some point. Now, we're right at the front of the pub in a little room of our own. <laughs> the band are at the opposite end of the, um, of the pub. So hopefully you won't suddenly hear in the background halfway through us chatting a band... You know, breaking into some kind of Simple Minds tribute or whatever it is that they're going to be. But um, is that what it yeah. is? Simple Minds tribute. It's gone for like. No, I made that up. All oh, right. Thank you. Right, on to our second beer of the night, and uh, this is a true story. On Saturday, Sean, I came into Beer Central, and I was having a bit of a look around, and I saw this one beer on the shelf, and I went, "What on earth is Sticklebracht?" And you gave me a thorough and. I'm assuming factually correct. Patronising <laughs> reply. Is this this is, is a, a, a Sticklebracked Pale Ale? Sticklebracked Pale Ale. The brewery is Colonel. The Colonel. Um, and uh, based down in Bermondsey in London. And as a, a brewery, one of my favourites particularly. Um, simple approach and a real... Um, sort of anti-craft approach, I suppose, or uh, in the sense of they don't go for any any uh, serious marketing gimmicks. Um, for anyone that's familiar with the bottle, um, plain, uh, brown label, not changed since they started, 
and they um, let the beer do the talking to 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 use a a little bit of a uh, thank you Jim. Um, let the beer do the talking, and um, they don't tend to. They've got a variety of different styles, but they have lots of core pails using uh, New Zealand and American hops predominantly. Uh, a few Australian hops as well. They do some nice imperial browns and export London stouts using historic recipes. Um, they have things like their, uh, uh, currently damson saisons and a honey saison, and there's been a sour cherry recently. Occasionally do one-off specials, but more, well. more, more generally the table beer, which would link in with the one that we had uh, earlier on, just over 3%. But simple approach, part of the sort of Bermondsey beer mile originally, but now on a Saturday, they do open the brewery, but uh, only for people to buy and, and take away. And for a spell, that Bermondsey beer mile down in East London, became a, a, a real sort of a, a mad affair every Saturday and uh, lots of crowds, lots of people. I've been to Colonel twice on that and rammed lots of tight space and I think in the end Colonel thought well are we enjoying this? People were complaining about mm. queuing up and uh, toilets and all sorts of different things mm. so in the end they just said well, we've had enough of this we'll sell our beer you can take it away and there are obviously lots of other outlets still down in Bermondsey and it's still a popular uh, thing, but I, I admire Colonel for sort of turning their back on what perhaps would have been a very lucrative thing for Absolutely, them, yeah. but uh, perhaps not necessarily the most enjoyable experience every Saturday. And so uh, the beers, though, are, uh, they fly out popular all, all over the country. You always seem to have quite a lot, a yeah, lot yeah. on, and they seem to be kind of knocking out different beers at quite a rate at the moment. Uh, they, I think every time I come in, they seem yeah, to be different. They, they, they do. We, we only touch a small sort of. Uh, I've never really thought about that, what you were saying. It was really like they've never really kind of been a big push in that kind of marketing thing. They've just kind of done what they do well. And I, I can't think of a. Personally, I can't think of a brewery before them that did this very simple, right, this is a pale ale, the difference this time, this is the strength, this difference this time is this, this, this variety of hops, and just moved it on and moved it on. And I think probably back then, maybe, probably, oh God, I don't know, how, when did it kind of come, 2007, maybe, yeah, yeah. like that? I remember seeing those beers and thinking, oh, what's that mean? And it's like, it's, like it's, a, it's a hop variety. It's that clarity of design where yeah. it's just patel hop but also kind of transfers from the brewing it is mm. just s like getting the best out of yeah. what, what, what they are using and yeah. why <clears throat> try and hide that behind a name when you when, when it's a pale ale yeah. and it has a stickle brand yeah. it's a pale ale that's yeah. got citrus and galaxy in it it's that's what those things and for me they produce the best version of that hop in a pale ale. If you want to know what a hop tastes like, Drink it the Colonel have the best version of those kind of hop mm. flavours because there's no no messing around. They just <coughs> cram the flavour into those beers without being pretentious about it. But yeah, have you in, in a way, it sort of shows the um, the scale now, doesn't it, of the, of the market in terms of that you've got a brewery like. We've got a magic rock beer, which we're gonna have later on. Um, who, you know, their their cans are the most wonderful designs and almost a work of art in themselves sometimes. 
the names often bear very little resemblance to the actual beer, but they make great beer. Mm. And then at the other end of the scale, you've got someone like the, the, the Colonel, um, who very understated, not trying to be anything clever. There's no clever kind of naming uh, thing going on. It is just, you know, it is a bit like the old Ron Seal ads, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It is what it yeah, says on the, exactly what what it says on, the yeah. uh, on the bottle. Mm. Both, you know, equally worthy of, of praise for... Um, for what they do, and I think fair play to the to the colonel for not kind of buckling under any kind of pressure for the way trends have, have, have gone in, in in beer. You know, they've they've remained exactly the same in terms of their their labelling, their their marketing, and the quality as, of as, as, yeah, as, yeah, and, and they've stayed true to those kind of core values and are reaping the benefits from it. Because th- there aren't many beer shops that are going now that don't stock their beers, um, and that's a sign of the fact that you know they're they're obviously shifting them. I mean, if you look at it, it literally is a, what, a two inch strip of brown parcel kind of wrapping yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's But it's beautiful. It looks, so it looks like it's been Dead printed simple. on like an Dead old um, yeah. dot matrix printer. Yeah. Like, there's like <laughs> imperfections in it completely. But it's classic as hell. Like, yeah. like I said, I. I think graphic designers are living. I love yeah. that. Yeah. 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 It, it, but it, in they probably that, are, but, but that's fine. Don't matter, don't matter. Have you, um, uh, Rich, have you had any of these before? No, no, it's the first one I've had, and it's, I, that, that's re- really, really nice. I could sit and drink a few pints of that, you know, it's yeah. quite quite a drinkable. It's got a, a real heavy history, hasn't it? Mm. Mm. I, quite, I, quite as, a, as a brewery, I, I, you'll find that probably, well, most days, probably, they, they always have one on um, Shakespeare, don't they? And it tends to be their kind of IPA range, which is kind of in the like mid 6%. Yeah. And you, I, I can guarantee that if I scan the bar, there's nothing that takes a fancy. I can literally just point at the kernel and go, "That will be amazing," and it, it will be. Yeah. You know exactly what you're getting. It's, it's, it's crisp. It's flavoursome. It's, yeah. it's, it's just exactly what they've yeah. always done, and I think it's brilliant. Even the, the like, they either have the pale ales, the IPAs, can, or the export London porter, which again is mm. just. Yeah, just no, cracking sours. Yeah. Think about. I remember. I remember them being like um, one of the old, one of the first breweries. I remember doing a sour. Yeah. And thinking they're like three and a half percent ones. Yeah. So that like London sour as well. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. so, those aren't really like, good. The modern technique of them is is kind of or the past few years is kettle souring, which yeah. is. Whereas I don't believe they are. They they've done. They've got a, an aging project that's that's kind of starting to come into fruition, and the beer de saison, the damson, mm. which um, if I can, we can. Rewind the tape. And the tape. If we can uh, <laughs> restart the whole conversation and have my my beer of the month, it was that the damson, yeah. um, and that's like an aged oak beer that's then been blended and then sat on fruit for a, a few months, but with loads and loads of damsons, and it's incredible. But the the kind of the time that those beers need, which is probably nine months before it's been blended on average and then it's gone and sat on fruit for another mm. three months but they, they kind of they've built that barrel stock and they've built a kind of slow release of really really top quality mm. delicious kind of tart beer it's it's great that, that they're, 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 kind of they're, 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 a, they're a, uh, a brewer's brewery I would I would guess I would imagine uh, Talk to mm. most brewers across the country, and they've either been influenced in some way or supported in some way uh, by Colonel. The, 
Um, they don't do many collaborations in the sense of, again, that being a sort of marketing idea for a beer, but I think they collaborate all the time with people behind the scenes. Mm. I know they help Brew by Numbers set up their yeah. Yeah. Uh, operation. I think by giving them their, their, their original brewer, uh, brew kit. Yeah, I was going to say, like, as an honourable mention, if, if you can't find Colonel, probably look for Brew by Numbers. I, yeah, I, I, well, I would personally say that. Five minute walk. On a par with kind of the style and, and, and quality, really. And, like. But also almost anti branding that they're yeah, just, yeah, just literally numbers. Similar. Yeah. yeah. The, the first number is yeah. is the style of beer the yeah. second number is the the iteration the of that number, style yeah. and it's it's a really yeah. kind of simple way of just beer the number of times we've done it right. mm-hmm. i almost like can i'll put it out there I, I, if i can only drink kernel and rule out numbers of beers the rest of my life yeah you'd be, you'd be very yeah. happy <laughs> i suppose if that's that will be what we ask at the start each time of our beer of the month but if you were to say you could only drink one brewery for the rest of your life there'd be a kernel that would be Colonel would get, <laughs> Colonel would get uh, a lot of votes for, for that because they are supremely consistent, very, very rarely make any errors with anything and only release, again, uh, stuff that, that is acceptable to them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. We mentioned in the break that sometimes beers can be released a little bit too early and be a bit too raw. Uh, in their particular case, uh, they're always exquisite is a word I always like to use. I think, I think what I'm getting from that is it's that they're not they're kind of concentrating on making a good beer rather than yeah. just being yeah. Yeah. commercial yeah. And, and right we've got to do this it's got to taste like this because yeah. the masses like it That's tasting it. like this yeah. like, I, a, I, like a Colin or, or a Skull like, and you'll get that just to kind of literally on a beer shelf if you said design a, design a label that would hide away as much as you could possibly do there's not really much that you could do brown bottle Lighter brown label, yeah, yeah, slightly, yeah. but like it stands out almost more than anything else. It's because it's like the beer yeah. that they're because everyone else is trying, yeah, trying so hard and, trying. and then there's this, and same with brew by numbers, is yeah. that yeah, yeah. it's just white, it's white with black, white and black, yeah. or they've brown gone, black. they've gone cans, of course, now. So, well, they're they're still they're still the new, the new uh, design cans is it all, very nice, are they all? Canned or is it just no, the, no, the no, no, no? They've just gone with three, so yeah, far. I think there's a fourth just been released. Oh, so no. I, I don't think they're going to go. I've not left any of them. Can be designed head on, says the best I've had it last year. Uh, while we're on the subject of breweries, um, often on the Hopcast, in fact just now on the Hopcast, we've kind of touched on our favourite breweries and particularly kind of new breweries that we've discovered are something that we talk about quite a bit. Uh, this week though we had the, the, the sad news of uh, one of the Sheffield breweries <coughs> closing down. Now Emmanuel's is a, kind of a unique brewery bringing together, well, beer and the Bible I guess. Um, I went along to find out a bit more. I'm Nick. I'm the on my business card it says the Brewing Bolding One Monk. Um, so that's I, I kind of felt that was a better title than just you know head brewer or whatever for Emmanuel's. But I, I kind of summarised who I am. So I'm bolding and a dad and just a sort of regular family guy. You know I make beer and uh, I have a sort of personal faith as, as a Christian. Um, so I kind of felt that summarised me pretty well. Um, as we um, sit here now, it's the Tuesday after the uh, bank holiday Easter weekend, which has been a fairly significant weekend for you personally because you, you kind of made a bit of an announcement about yourself and, and your direction on Good Friday. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I had somebody say, um, it was Ed actually from Hopjackers say, um, oh, it was a very, very timely announcement, you know, you're going to make a reservation on Easter Sunday. I can assure you it wasn't planned like that. For a while I've kind of felt that... 
as I've observed the craft beer industry and done a lot of research into it, it's just become really apparent that you've really got to hunker down and if, if you want to sort of make a real go of it. And I think in my mind when I started Emmanuel's, it was all, I was always wanting to pitch it alongside, you know, your big breweries like Sire and Craft and Northern Monk, which is a, a really tall order. It was total blue sky thinking. But as, as I sort of realised that without an absolute mountain of cash... Um, you know, the financial back you need and the time c- uh, commitment you need to do that, you know, I started to realise that um, maybe a better business model for it would be better. Um, but then running a, a sort of a brewery already, which so I'm the head brewer of the Sheffield Brewery Company and Emmanuel sort of slips into that. I think it became really apparent that I was spinning too many plates. I can't afford my own brewery, you know, and, and, and on the flip side, I'm not sure... I'll fully want to. You end up working every hour that God sends all the time. And I'm not shy about doing hard work, but it, the question becomes how effective... I, I read a lot of business books, and there's one called The E-Myth by a guy called Michael Gerber. It was written in, like, the 80s. And, but he, he talks about small business owners always doing it, doing it, doing it, but never getting it done, and they, they never focus on the things that are actually going to be effective and fruitful. They're just busy. And um, I think I realised that. Um, and I needed to give my time to one or the other, and I'm not really in a position to give my time to Emmanuel's in the way that I'd, I'd want it and to develop that brand and for it to be all that it, it could be. How um, successful do you feel that the, the brand's become in the time that you've been doing it? I think it has been successful. Um, a, a friend of mine um, called Nigel, who's uh, he used to own the Ramore Inn and other, other pubs, um, in Sheffield, um, I mean, he said to me when I was sort of chatting through with him, he was like, don't, don't look at it as like, oh, you failed. He was like, you know, you've, you've effectively, you left a mega church to start a microbrewery, because uh, I used to work in a church, and um, you've, you've done it, you know, you, you, you developed the idea and, and you grew it. Because I was always worried with the sort of uh, religious imagery that um, people wouldn't accept it for some reason, because they, they think I had, like, a hidden agenda, and there was no hidden agenda with it. I always sort of made it clear to people, I'm, I'm not forcing religion down people's throats, just beer, and, and I'm just doing it in a way that I express myself in a quirky way, and in a way that's almost sort of poking fun at my own tribe. But actually, people really took to the brand, and I actually found that it, was, it wasn't Christians who were into that much. They were at first, they, they saw it, and, and some people knew me or knew of me, and were like, that's a great idea, and they'd go and buy it, but then they don't really drink that much beer, so it'd kind of, like, drop off. And then you could sort of craft beer drinkers be drinking it. But I think the problem I found was because I've, I'm trying to sort of effectively shoehorn Emmanuel's into the Sheffield Brewery Company business model, um, I, I was... And I wanted to upscale those beers. I, I could only really warrant... Um, brewing sort of core range stuff because I had to, although I'd, you know I'd, I'd obviously commit some of that to bottle, I'd have to commit it to cask as well. And the, you know, and the, and the the cask would sell well, but I think the people who were really behind the brand initially were people that were buying beers from like Beer Central and Urban Pantry and the Dram Shop and places like that. And as you probably know, with a lot of sort of craft beer drinkers there's not that much brand loyalty anymore. It's not kind of like, oh, you know, I only drink punk IPA or, or whatever it is. Everyone wants something different all the time. And I couldn't give it that. And I, I thought, well, maybe I can just go back to doing stuff on, my, on the little kit of mine that is housed here at the brewery. But trying to brew on that and brew the main stuff upstairs, it's just, it wasn't feasible for, in terms of quality. And it was always meant to be about really high-quality beers 
Because if I thought, if I'm, if I'm putting the image of our Lord and Saviour on a beer, you know, it had to be like, you know, the best beer there was. It very much in the vein and spirit of the sort of the Trappist monks, which is where I sort of drew the inspiration from, so... We hear a lot about kind of new breweries that are starting up, perhaps not so much about breweries that are maybe calling it a, a day. How saturated do you think the craft beer industry is now? Oh, uh, gosh, that million-dollar question. Um, I think yes and no, I guess, is the answer to that. It's funny because like the, people talk about growth within the craft beer industry, and there is still room for growth. I mean, depending on where the statistic comes from you're only looking between craft beer only accounts for between three and about seven to nine percent of uk british beer sales that's like about just over 90 percent then of people who drink beer who are buying macro brand beers so you've, you've, you've got that on one hand and then on the other hand in i think it was about 10 years ago um we were the uk was selling um two billion less pints than they would have done 10 years ago so but that's that's a lot of beer that people aren't consuming you we see that pubs are closing down about 10 or 11 every day across the nation so you've you've got people drinking less for reasons that you know that they um are more health conscious nowadays um they want to drink less but they want to drink better i mean because even 10 15 years ago when i go into a pub you know your choices were tetley john smith's and then like Abdel Moonshine or Kelamizi Rider. I know what I was going to go for. Like, I know which two had bags more flavour. Whereas now stuff that would have been like the tasteful alternative is, is sort of seen as old hat. So you've got all that coming into play. And then I think on the other hand, you, you've just got a lot of people all vying for a very small market share. So although I think there's I think there's growth for people like your Magic Rocks, your Northern Monks, your Beaver Towns, and even some of the other sort of smaller craft breweries um, that will kind of wheedle their way through, that will grow quickly because they get a good reputation for making good beer. They've got a really solid brand. But I think it will sort of separate the wheat from the chaff in a lot of ways. And, I th- and personally, I think a lot of breweries, both established and particularly newer breweries that haven't got their shit together, basically will will go under. I just want to thank all my customers, whether they're they're being sort of trade customers or just sort of, um, you know, beer drinkers, um, just for supporting me on that journey. Um, But I want to thank people in the sort of beer industry um, who have sort of helped just to, um, yeah, encourage people to go out and buy the last Emmanuel's there are and, and, and look out for the last supper which is the last Emmanuel's beer I'll be doing it's just a double IPA about 9.6% so thank you to Nick for his time um, so yeah very soon Emmanuel's will be no more um, interesting kind of point that this raises really about whether or not the the, the market and particularly the uh, kind of floppy bunny ears craft beer market is becoming too saturated um, Jim, you're kind of in, in the middle of it, really. The project that you lead at, at Abbeydale is, is, is very much kind of about that, that side of the brewery. What's your thoughts on this? Well, I think the, the kind of thing as a whole, no. The, the industry as a whole, no, it's not oversaturated with breweries. What we're, we're lacking in is taps on bars and space to pour those beers into. Okay. There's a lot of, um, a lot of taps in every city that are tied up by big pub chains. Mm. So whether it's Robinson's and 
that in the kind of the kind of towards the Peak District towards Manchester, there's there's a lot of Fuller's pubs that are starting to open their taps a little bit, and then there's but there's still a lot of pub chains that tie up all these taps that could potentially open up a lot of customers to a lot of really good beer, and we're kind of struggling in the middle to find that. With Emmanuel's, I think it's a really bold choice for him to do is to try and focus all his attention into one brand. I think what you said there is kind of about the, the, the tap space. And I'm not a big Weatherspoons fan, but they certainly seem to kind of grasp hold of... They give space for local breweries that you can get a pint of... I'm going to pick Bradfield as an example yeah. because it's, you know, down the Rose and Hillsborough, you can get a pint of Bradfield Brewery and, and of what the ones that see the chain ones, yeah. they're the ones that actually give tap space to, yeah, they, to local breweries. They do give tap space, but they also give very little money back to the actual I, brewery. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I so, so your, that, that pint of beer might be £2. Mm. Generous, it might be £1.80. And then you go in with your camera membership card, it'll be 50p off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that you can go in and get a pint for £1.30 at this point is ridiculous because that's they've, with all the costs that go into that brewery mm. and for that yeah. cask of beer, that is yeah, no. not. That's what that, bro- that brewery's gambling though, then on um, that customer. Uh, remembering and if it's a good beer customers will remember and remember that good beer and then we'll go and pay more for it somewhere yeah, else it, it, but you can't have, you can't have both can be, you in terms of it then becomes a, the supermarket scenario doesn't it where yeah. you know, they're, they're ticking more and more they're just doing this with the, the profits yeah. and, you like, know, uh, less and less to throw yeah. more to them a friend of mine I work with who was talking today just in Rutland talking to a kid and saying that on a Monday you can get a pint of dry pub for £2.20 and he's like how would you do that and he's like well they have this cask beer Monday thing plus I have my camera discount and that knocks it down to £2.20 mm-hmm. a yeah, pint and it's yeah. like well you're saying that yeah, generally speaking it's not cheap to um, get, get Jai Port and, and, and Jai Port is still a solid beer it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lovely beer yeah. but I th- but it, it should be is everybody is everybody not amazed that that would be a motivator for someone going out and drinking that beer or, or not what do you think sir um, does that draw him out on a Monday night uh, the two pound twenty is the key to that person going out yeah, yeah, yeah. on Monday night. Yeah, when Monday not people, yeah, well, people yeah, don't yeah, want but, but is that his motivation? If it is, it, it, then that's a, he's yeah. always going to be. He's always going to. The, the flip side is: it, is it a loss leader? Is it? Yeah, it gets someone yeah. in the club yeah. and yeah. 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 it is a loss leader. Yeah. Making money on food, thinking. You look at sorry, sorry. You look at the number of pubs probably over the winter are closing on Monday and Tuesday because there's not enough people coming in. So they're like, right, we'll just, you know, and, and but now they're, they're chucking this, as much discount as they can to get people in to, to, to buy the beers. Yeah. The flip side of this course is is the kind of the bottle and the can market. So, question to, to you, Sean, really. Um, I mean, you must get the the option of various new breweries probably, what, every week, every month? And you've got to make that decision as, as to whether or not you take those beers yeah, on. Not, I mean, not, how, how do you make that Not as that many as you, you'd, you'd imagine. I use just instinct and, and customers more than anything else. Sometimes uh, a customer will find out about a beer or a brewery before I do. Uh, it happens regularly. Message me, uh, have you seen this? And, and, it, and my awareness, my eyes are opened and I can instantly try and contact or society who might be supplying that. But not as many as you think, largely down to distribution, so similar a little bit to, to Jim, but there might be a brilliant brewery in, in Cornwall, uh, but um, being in Sheffield, it's hard mm. to get that beer in the right quantities. We took a pallet off someone, we'd have to pile it at high, 
uh, of, of lots of the same beers, and that's not that's not the model that yeah. that, that, that yeah. would work. So, access to beers this d- depends on the distribution chain, and we're in a big city like Sheffield. We're very very lucky that there's good distribution into Sheffield, but there are still lots of breweries that we would love to stock that it's just it's just not possible to to, to do it. It's not. But it's anti-market because I mean, me and, me and um, Jen joked about some of the breweries that you don't that we think are very good brewers but you don't really sell well yeah. and, and like I said it, it comes down to as a business if you're not selling them why would you ever get them in yeah, so we, it's, we, interesting. it's an interesting we, we try, yeah, we try lots to, of brewers to all and things like that yeah. And, uh, yeah we've talked about this a couple of times yeah, yeah. just recently and we, we, we try lots of breweries and uh, um, and it, w- it would be nice to reward uh, uh, p- perhaps with more patience but we're, we're a business all, yeah. all of the bottle shops and pubs and bars and micro pubs are all businesses um, so you have to pick and choose and try and second guess a little bit what, what your customers oh, would like so a lot of that is down to instinct I'm sure if we asked Adam down at Shakey who orders all their beer down there he knows about beer it's his instinct he knows his customers we get to know our customers really well Breweries get to know their customers really well within the craft scene because there's a much closer contact or, uh, with, with somebody like Jimmy or yeah. Abbeydale um, can can speak directly to his customers, whereas bigger breweries For, um, for us, that's, that's kind of growing. Because we've only done small pack relatively recently, like the past year and a half, two years, which means in the past we were just dealing with pubs. We weren't dealing with the people who drank our beer, which... Yeah. Is the end point yeah, of that yeah. our customer, while the per- is the drinker. Yeah. But we've your always had a middleman. They yeah, yeah, yeah. to be you know, a direct route to your customer almost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whereas yeah. now we're doing small pack, we we can. Th- there's a, a, a shorter route to market by being able to give someone a can yeah. of beer, yeah. meet the brewer and everything yeah. else. And but but I it. think that's becoming across the all the kind of small breweries, do, being able to do well packaged beer. From whether it's from mobile canning lines, um, which we use at the moment, but we're looking at doing it. We are in the process of buying a canning line ourselves, but it's it's one of those things that opens not just our own distribution network, which was well, we've been going twenty odd years, so it's from from we deliver eighty miles within our brewery, but we can now send cans and key kegs away mm-hmm. to get to places that we never normally drive to because it's too far away yeah. and so we can get to places like Cornwall to bottle shops in Cornwall mm-hmm. we can get to places because they buy through through other places so yeah. it's alternative routes to market that may, uh, that open up options for small breweries that you don't just focus on trying to break this local scene, because at the moment in Sheffield, and I know that say in Manchester as well, it's it is really saturated with local beer because there's so in Manchester there's loads of so so much really good beer. Yeah. There's and there aren't very many independent tap and tap lines, mm. and in Sheffield it's it's similar, but it's just trying to encourage the pubs to. T- take a bit of a punt to into to buying something new and something interesting. Going back to your original question right at the start, James, I remember looking at the Brewdog uh, annual return, their annual financial return a couple of years ago, and tucked away amongst it was that uh, they were selling 0.1% in 
even as a big company two years ago, 0.1% of all the, the beer uh, sold in the UK. And uh, when, I, when I looked at that, I, you do question sometimes whether it's saturation. But when I looked at that, I thought, well, do you know what I mean? It, it's just incredible that it's easy within the craft beer scene to think that um, we're all everyone's big players because it's a it's a narrow scene and when you look at that and look at a, a, a little statistic like that it just made me think well good, good grief what, yeah, what the yeah. hell is out there potentially yeah. for breweries and for uh, the right pubs and the right micro pubs yeah. and bars it's hard and isn't it because it's still as, as Nick was saying it's still less than 10% of all beer sales in the UK yeah. what we would class as the kind of beers that we'd yeah. that we'd, we'd buy you know yeah. the vast 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 majority of it is the stuff that yeah. that we dismiss you know yes. the, the, the stuff that you think well that's on its way out yeah. but actually it's still you know probably yeah. 90% of, of, of sales and we, we all I, I used to I used to drink Carlin we've all we've all been there back in the day and everyone's on a journey yeah. and someone drinking Carlin yeah. now might might just Take, take that next right hand turn at Stansel Sheffield Pilsner and then start to progress into the craft scene. Okay, um, I don't know about anyone else, but I, my glass is empty. I'm, I'm ready for beer number three, uh, which is interesting considering the conversation that we've just had because this is a brewery that we would class as being kind of a, a fairly big player on, the, uh, on, yeah. on the craft beer scene. Yeah, so we have Magic Rock uh, based at Huddersfield. The beer that we've gone for is the Corpale Ale uh, High Wire. Uh, I don't know. Probably, I would imagine one of their original uh, oh. original uh, brews. When we opened in November 2013, we opened with ten bottles of High Wire. That's because I was a scaredy cat and, I don't and didn't, it, I didn't have didn't a clue. I didn't release the yeah. officially. Probably yeah. The head brewer, who is uh, Stuart Ross, used to brew in Hillsborough in the Hillsborough Hotel, which was once. Crown Brewery. It was. So they were making just, in a, just underneath a tiny little pub. Well, it's a pub kind of with three rooms in there, and making some quality beers for two pound fifty. So Hillsborough Pale Ale, did some other kind of more higher ABV ones like uh, what do you call now? Um, some like kind of like more like on the IPA kind of section. Thinking these beers are incredible, and it was like maybe a few years later he joined joined with uh, Rich who was running the. It's my brewery tap, like an online online beer shop, and they forged what, what now is Magic Rock. Mm. So basically, I was in there drinking their beers, thinking, I'm following this guy because this guy knows how to brew. Yeah, yeah. And then basically saying, right, when you release some beers, and they did like these kind of really core release beers, like bottled, um, which were High Wire, Rapture, and Cannonball, uh, which you can still yeah. get now. Yeah. And. From from whatever it must have been a couple of years, and literally they released nothing that but was in, in, in any kind of package. Their releases of bottles back then were incredibly rare as well. Yeah, so I was looking at my they, like, they Instagram, there wasn't from like there wasn't the core available. Yeah. How how popular are they now, Magic Rock? Um, yeah, it's massive. Really. Yeah, uh, within within this scene, uh, uh, one of the real big players, uh, uh, and for us in Sheffield, very luckily, we're uh, we're on the end of a train line from yeah. uh, there. Quite a slow train line, to be fair. Though. It's, 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 it's a pretty, it's a pretty, it's a pretty line up through uh, Brockholes and the, the, yeah, the, the hills, yeah, Penniston and out that way. Um, but at the end of it, you've got a, a real duel. So it, in addition to the sportsman that you have to pass yeah. on way to Magic Rock Tap, which is impossible to pass, I might add, a, a phenomenal pub. Um, but of course, they've got their 
their brewery tap that what, probably three years, three years or so now, yeah. two years, three I, years. Part of their expansion and, and uh, brewery. Yeah. yeah, I saw something on Twitter today, I, can't, I, I couldn't tell you what it was, but saying like this is the actual pit, like this is the perfect brewery tap. Yeah, yeah like there is nothing close to it. Have you, have you been? I've, I've never been. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've never been. It's, it's a timely conversation, this, because we're in the process of planning what we're calling our first Hopcast away day, where we're heading out of Sheffield. Uh, I did almost forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. You got a passenger because you had your And we're going to go and visit uh, effectively a brewery kind of somewhere else. And Magic Rock is, fingers crossed, it's, it's pretty much all in the bag. It's going to be the first, the first kind of place outside of Sheffield that we're going to go and visit. Not for a while, probably in June when the weather is beautiful and, um, and, and Theoretically. lovely. Uh, so it'll probably throw it down, which yeah, pretty much guaranteed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't. Yeah, you know, however, I try and think about Magic Rock. I just can't deny the fact that I love their beers. I think they're a great brewery. Um, you know, most recently, I can't remember the actual names of them, but the Tropical IPA and the Double IPA that have come out in the last couple of weeks, which I know for you, Sean, they saw that within pretty much twenty-four yeah, hours. Yeah. Yep. They're just they're just gone. Um, and you know, I really like what they do. I really like what they do. I think their their kind of business model kind of also harks back to the the kind of oversaturation of the market that, that kind of came up earlier is that that brewery businesses are changing slightly in that they're not just dealing directly with pubs they're starting to own their own pubs they're starting to look at places that they can run themselves whether it is tap rooms that are only opened at weekends um, which is great because it means that they're the busiest days anyway that you open on a Friday night and you shut on a Saturday afternoon and then you get ready to brew on a Monday morning they're, those things are a kind of a great way of getting people in selling directly you can make the most money out of the beer you don't need to sell it on to um, a third party like Sean yeah, and yeah. let him make the money yeah, you can make it yourself and other and half I, in, in, in the States are a a great example of that uh, in uh, Brooklyn, in New York, and I saw a post on um, their Instagram feed a, a couple of weeks ago, and it was um, and it wasn't very visual. It was a, 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 a long paragraph, and it was giving instructions on buying beer direct from their brewery on Saturday morning. That's when they released their cans, and the earliest time you were allowed to queue up from outside, and they were being very strict on this, uh, was 3 a.m. People have been turning up before that time and Jeez. causing a little bit too much noise residentially, locally, and so they would be ultra coming from the night out to, ultra, to get ultra the cans. <laughs> they, they ought to have a, a live web feed of the queue, really, I think, and that would be very entertaining. But they were being very strict and, and very pointed about 3 a.m. must not be breached or should be removed. So I think it's incredible. One, one of the things about England and the UK is that we're still small so our beer no matter where it goes to is still fresh yeah. we don't need to travel yeah. um, people yeah, from, yeah, yeah, from yeah, all yeah. the half really that are living in California yeah. don't need their beer to travel 2,000 yeah. miles it, at most it needs to travel 400 yeah. and that's, that's it yeah. Land's End John O'Groats and there isn't a brewery at Land's End we know more about other, other half you know, they've been at the last two hop cities than people in California do I would uh, uh, I would potentially guess I'm not sure yeah. whether they're licensed to sell I know brewers have to get a license in every state to sell their beer yeah. over in the yeah, states yeah, yeah, and so yeah. that makes it uh, particularly complicated for and, it, and it's it. just this kind of conversation about about cold like cold storage as well like the Americans are really focused on kind of cold storage and brewery 
and then cold chain distribution mm-hmm. and having a chilled wagon or a chilled freight cart to do it. Yeah. Well, at most, we it's there's eight hours in between cold stores. Mm. It, the cold chain doesn't necessarily need to happen to keep the beer fresh. Mm. We just need to get it to people, mm. and it, and, it, yeah. and so there is, there needs to be an increase in, in kind of working with UK Mail and, yeah. and distributors. But we just. What, what of Highwire then? I want one sentence to sum it up from all of you. Adam. Oh, God, come back to me. Clean and crisp. <laughs> Clean and crisp from Sean. Jim? Is he down to mouthful? Hey, I'm just drinking. Um, I think it's a classic. It's one of those that's... that's a, I was going to say modern classic, and that's almost like yeah. stealing the brew dog terminology. Well, but it is, and it's, kind and it's, of is. it's citric, it's fresh, no. it's slightly bitter. It's, I'm interested. Rich, is this a beer that you've had before? No. Because for, for us, it's kind of like a bit of a mainstay classic, yeah, whereas yeah. for you, it's kind of new. What do you think? I, you, you know I like the citrus kind of stuff anyway, and, and it kind of it ticks that box, but it's, it's a little bit of a fizz to it that I'm kind of not Ooh. quite... Over carbonate. I couldn't drink, yeah, I couldn't drink lots of it. Because of that, okay. I was, yeah, I was I kind of, I came to me just before Jim said, but it is a bit like a modern classic, and it, it is kind of a bit of a gateway beer for somebody who might be a bit of a kind of high strength lager drinker. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's good description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 and that's we, probably we, where we, that face comes into a little bit. You we, know, we've hung yeah. on about this a bit, but I think it's a good kind of thing to say. Like, if you want a bit conversion beer. Yeah. Of course, there's a grapefruit version as well, which is also yes, very, very which nice. I think so it's a kind of yeah. next step along. <laughs> we'll go with high wire first, then onto the grapefruit one, and that takes you onto um, onto other things. Uh, right, time for our um, meet the brewer, and let's hear all about Neepsen Brewery. Hi, my name's Gavin. I am the co-owner and head brewer of Neepsen Bruco. Hi, I'm Hannah. I'm Hannah Bolton Titan. I'm a brewer at Neepsen Bruco. To start off, can you tell us a little bit about the history of Neepsen Bruco? We've uh, been going for nearly three years now, so we set up in June 2015. This brewery where we're sat now actually used to be um, Little Dale Cart Brewery. They moved out of their small kit in the Wellington, kind of expanded into this space, and for whatever reason, didn't quite work out for them. And sort of the opportunity to move in, move in here came along, uh, sort of between myself and James, who owns the Sheaf View and the Blake Hotel, and now the Wellington as well. Um, so really, we did something we've been wanting to do for a while. This opportunity came along, and we've uh, run with it. So you see a lot of your beers around, predominantly cask, covering lots of different styles. You do have a small core range of beers that you do. Just kind of interested if you could tell us a little bit more about the beers that you brew here. Um, so yeah, you mentioned the the small range of core ales that we brew. We only brew wand, and that one that's Neepsen Blonde, our four uh, percent session ale. Other than that, it's basically us two playing around with all of our favourite hops and a selection of different malts and just getting on with it really making sure we've got a good range to meet the pubs that we uh, we supply are there any beers that you're your favorite to brew or are there any beers that you've got in the pipeline that you're really looking forward to brewing favorite is a difficult one because we've brewed more than 100 different beers now we um keep new ones coming all the time and a lot of the fun for it for me is brewing new ones and trying new ones I mean, for our 100th brew, we did a really heavily hopped IPA called Century IPA. And then for our 200th brew, we did um, Double Century IPA. They're both strong, mega happy beers. And they're, they're two of my, my, my favourites, probably. But because there's so many, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, honestly, if we do a one-off brew of them um, occasionally, you'll barely get a chance to chai it in the pub before it's gone. <laughs> Which gets the interesting for us and for customers, but it does also mean that it's a little bit difficult to, to know what some of them are like, really. <laughs> So just to go through a few different like sort of styles that you do, I do see you're not kind of ones that just stick to your hoppy pails. You do do quite a, a big range of things. Um, can you go through kind of sort of styles that you, you might find in, the, in your pubs? 
Well, we always try and make sure we've got a decent stout in stock anyway. Um, our most recent ones, Connorswell, nice 4.9% uh, hazelnut porter. Um, we're quite famous for our salt caramel stout, which brewed last year. Um, that flew out in record time. Other than that, obviously, because our pubs, as in the Sheaf, the Wellington, the Blake, all need a range of styles. We'll always try and make sure we've got an amber ale coming through at some point. And again, we try and play around with hops that maybe we haven't used before or we think will marry well with that style. Um, so other than that, it's making sure we've got a good stop for the pubs, basically. So you say you've got the three pubs that are sort of own the brewery, is that right? Or is it in collaboration with you as the owners? Uh, they're, they're, they're separate businesses, technically, but yeah, but they're tied in. I mean, James, James, who owns three pubs, is the largest shareholder in the brewery as well. So, yeah. So apart from those three pubs, where else might people who kind of want to go out and find Neepsen Brew? Where, where might they find those beers? Uh, I mean, there's, we've got a, a few other regular stockists in, sort of in Sheffield and, and, and in the local area. The Beer Engine always has Blonde on, and then we've the commercial at Chapel Town's also a permanent stockist. There's a couple of places out, outside in um, sort of North Derbyshire as well. Um, and we just we just brew quite a lot of our beers because we, we source a lot of a lot of the guest beers for the for the pubs we supply as well. We swap a fa- fair bit, so our beers get up and down the country through those relationships and through and through. Um, a few of the wholesalers we use so you'll not find Neepsen beer on the bar of every pub in Sheffield there's a few we deal with but there's quite a lot of it gets further afield as well which is great for us we'll often I'll only find out through Untapped that one of our beers we brewed is on the bar in Truro which is bizarre but really cool um, this is not a trick question or it might not be something you can answer but I just wanted to throw in there is um, how do you think you compare to other breweries in the city or what do you think sets you aside from them I wouldn't want to make comparisons particularly and what's great about Sheffield is there are so many breweries um, I think, well, when they had that Sheffield Beer Report that came out last year, that I think 23 was the number in the, in the Sheffield City region, which is fantastic. It's a really diverse, dynamic, interesting brewing scene. Some breweries are more traditional, some breweries are more experimental. We just do what we do. We never set out brewing with a, with a particular agenda, other than just having some fun, brewing some beer that we really enjoy, and hoping other people enjoy it as well. So, yeah, for us, that, that's more often than not pale hoppy beer because that's what I like to drink certainly and also what goes down well in the pubs we supply and what I like to drink so yeah we just do what we do and hopefully people enjoy it so talking about what you like to drink Hannah um, I know it's like I said in the previous question you have predominantly cask beers you do have a few that you do on keg um, and you don't as far as I know bottle or can anything at a minute is there any plans for anything extending your range or are you going to keep keep doing you know, your very strong cask range um, I, th- I think for now, basically, we've got two new fermenting vessels that we're, we're waiting to get all plumbed in. Once we've got those in, we could potentially look at bottling, because um, we'll actually have the tank space to be able to do that. Because at the moment, and consistently really, we don't ever really have a lull in trade. We're always busy and we always need to keep brewing, uh, which is a great situation to be in. But it's certainly not something that would rule out in the future. What thoughts do you have on Sheffield's current beer scene? And where do you think things are going to go in the next 12 months? And where do you think you might fit into that? Um, I suppose I covered that a little bit on the previous question, but um, the industry has changed so much in the last two or three years, um, particularly. The styles of beers all over bars now you wouldn't have seen. Uh, sour beers, obviously, um, a lot more keg beer, a lot of canned beer a lot of just more interestingly flavoured beers and stronger beers. I love all that. It's fantastic. You know, we've got our own sort of operation. We do, at the moment, mostly cask beer. It's not traditional beer. It's full flavoured, hop-forward, interesting beer. But our market is cask at the moment. And all of our growth has been organic. We've not really set a target as such. We've just thrown into our own space. So we'll be in 12 months doing the same thing, probably. Maybe producing a little bit more beer and with a shiny, exciting tap room.
I just want to add as well, um, we've been lusting after a little mini kit for quite a while so that we can try out weird, wacky, wonderful brews that we're a bit too scared to try out on the big kit and, you know, 40 casks or kegs or whatever of. Um, so that's something we're going to be looking to in the future. And also, um, I'd like to say that the opportunity to collaborate with so many different breweries, which Gavin planned in for to coincide with Sheffield Beer Week, has been fantastic for us because we've brewed two sour beers we've brewed beers in different styles than we normally would more bitterness for example and that's been a great way for us to learn how other people do things and also share information basically and take on little bits from other people you talked about your collaborations and um, there was a lot of talk about celebrating the women in beer and sheffield beer week what's your thoughts on the strength of women in beer at the minute and did you enjoy kind of getting involved with some of the other women that were involved absolutely um personally i thought it's a fantastic opportunity to not only meet with female brewers and female people within the brewing industry, but obviously there are less women in making beer, for example, um, than there are men. It's, it is a male-dominated industry, but that shouldn't be a reason for any person, gender irrelevant, to think, oh, I might not be accepted within that trade. Um, you know, we did a pomelo sour called Emmeline at Lost Industry, and I was also involved in uh, international women's collaboration brew day brew over at Ashover, uh, where we brewed a pineapple IPA, and both those days were brilliant for me. And again, it's just learning new ways of doing things and sharing information, and I think it's fantastic. So, yeah, long may it last. Actually, last month on the podcast, we, we had Emmeline as one of the beers, and I think it was the collective favourite beer of the month, so well done on that one. Gab, you just touched on it slightly. I spoke to you guys on Twitter just into the new year about coming down and talking to you, and you were saying, oh, you had some exciting news in the pipeline, and um, that kind of got unveiled at Sheffield Beer Week. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we're sat right now recording this um, in, well, what one's not a van in the way, is our... Uh, our tap room, which we opened up for the first time for the uh, closing party of, um, of Sheffield Beer Week, which was, uh, considering it was a rather snowy day uh, and brew is not the warmest places in the world, uh, it was a really, really good day. Um, we had a lovely turnout and just everyone a, a good send-off to what was a great week and Sheffield Beer Week's always amazing. Um, so yeah, we've, we've put this space in the front in the front of the brewery because um, we had the space to do it. We've put a bar in, fenced off the brew the, the brew house itself so people can come in and see what's get, what, you know, where, where the beers we're serving here get made. I'm just going to open the doors up once a month come inside when Peddler's Market's on um, have, a, have a bit of a shindig down here have people in um, a tap room session just talking about how the um, beer industry's changed in Sheffield this area has changed hugely as well um, in Neeps and the Kelham Island area has got so much busier and so much more diverse and so much more going on and it's just we're quite lucky to be where we are um, and this is a way of, of just getting a bit more involved in that as well we'll be uh, looking forward to it over the next year thanks for your time Time for the final beer of the night, and we've um, well, we've done a bit of a tour of the UK so far. Uh, now we're off to Scandinavia. The beer is called Pretty. It is a pale ale, so this comes from. Um, do you do you know how we are supposed to pronounce this brewery? Uh, oh 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 oh. It's oh oh. Brewing. That's definitely the Barnsley version, isn't it? Yeah. Oh oh. Oh None of the O's with the lines through it, like to all. Uh, no. 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 Just, oh, oh. So, um, they are a. Um, oh, also. Yeah. They don't have their own brewery. They're very good friends with uh, Stig Berget's brewery in Gothenburg in Sweden. So, I brew most of their beers out of there. Um, very, very rare, hard to get for us as a retailer, hard to get. Uh, have a, an IPA Narangit, which is uh, uh, generally received as one of Europe's sort of uh, best IPAs. Uh, uh, this beer is called Pretty. 
which I think is a beautiful name again for a simple five and a half percent pale ale bottle looks the part or uh, again without being um, you, you wouldn't suggest looking at that label that they're over uh, over sort of trying things just a pretty little label pretty little beer or, uh, and uh, Scandinavia um, needs to be represented Scandinavia being a, playing a big part in in what people are drinking here in the UK mm. and across Europe at the minute or, uh, and take your pick from from a point of view of the countries. You've been to Gothenburg as well as as well as Copenhagen. Yeah, and actually the right country. Yeah, yeah. I went to a couple of places like beer wise. Didn't find it kind of overly like kind of craft. It's going back maybe two years, but did find a couple. But again, again, like Scandinavia is so expensive to drink in. If you're kind of converting your own money, I mean, I went to one place and we were looking at you're looking at nearly ten pound for like. Fuck, we're not even a pint really. Um, 500, 400. You know, um, like I said, it's got the breweries, even cycling through with like how many follow there, aren't they, as well? And um, I've not tried this yet, but it's my first, my first try of uh, OO. How long have you had this in then? Is this like quite a new beer? Um, yeah, I got it from a bottle shop um, distribution in London. Uh, it's probably been um, here two weeks, I would have thought, at, at the most. Um, Narangi IPA sold out almost instantly. Just got a few of these left. There's a Baltic Porter that are, uh, there's a style they're less known for brewing the dark uh, uh, beers, and so that's just uh, uh, still available. But uh, that they're hard to get, and so they're the type of brewery that uh, you, you, you jump on when they become available. Yeah, so you have to pre-reserve them. So. It's got you compare it to, uh, to the Colonel, which we said was quite a simple beer. This it feels like it's got a lot going on. Yeah. there's a lot going on in my mouth when I drink that. Yeah. yeah, it's much more full-bodied than yeah, than, yeah. than um, the Colonel. Plenty of bitterness as well. It's not. It's really. I'm kind of quite fruity. So I'm getting the citrusy again. I'm, I'm kind of. But not like a, you sort of stand on It's more like. In the mouth, I think. It's just not a focus on a single hop like the Colonel yeah, was. It's just a really yeah. good yeah. mix yeah. of a lot of like some really nice hops. It all works together. Yeah, if someone dropped that in front of you, we have to tell you what it was. You'd be more than happy to kind of quaff away at that. So tonight, with the exception of the Sheffield theme last time, tonight's the first time we've had a, a theme to our uh, mm. beers. Um, and yet, they have all been very distinctly different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, despite yeah. carrying you know a very similar theme, pale ales, mm. four really good beers tonight. Mm. It is decision time. Um, so, um, Rich, your Twitter is uh, at Dicky Owl. Dicky Owl, that's me. Yes. What yeah. has been your favourite beer of tonight? The Colonel. Uh, Going for the Colonel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That was my favourite. Yeah, definitely. Bro, um, Jim, you and Laurie, your uh, beer blog is at Mashton and Meow. Correct. Uh, what has been your favourite beer of tonight? I'm going to concur. That kernel was fantastic. Mm. I really enjoyed it. So a clear leader so far. Uh, Sean, you're on Twitter at Beer Central Ltd. Yep. And are you going the kernel as well? D- despite kernel being being the, the the real love of my life, uh, in addition to Deborah, of course. <laughs> you had to get that. Uh, right. uh, uh, out of these, um, all of them, uh, she's a lover of pale ales. A favourite pale ale is Gamma Ray by some so way. So probably the uh, high uh, Probably. Uh, I am in love with the small stuff. Uh, from Cloudwater, so small laurel pale mm. is my favourite beer tonight. Okay. I'm, I'm going to deviate from the way that we normally do this, 
because I am going to go next because I'm also voting for the cloud water. All right, so Adam is. Um, so I'm going to give Adam either the deciding vote or he's going to go for something completely different. It's going to be a draw. Uh, I, I'm going to go different actually. I'm going to go for this one. Like the, the oh, oh, he's chicken oh, out. He's chicken out. No, no, no. Big decision. I'm going to say is I've had a few of the small beers and I've been critical of cloud water. Absolutely fantastic. I've had the citra one on keg. And like you've heard me before, the, the kernel stuff, range-wise, I would say go out and get any of them. Not my particular favourite on this actual beer, but I think this one just had a little so bit more, brewing the little bit more uh, to it that I want to hear, which I'm still enjoying now. The oh, pretty pale ale is the one for me. So, um, to all, I don't know what you're going to do for that. <laughs> I think it's alright to have a draw. I, I think, think it's alright to have a fight or something. Okay. Distinctly okay. different. Do we have to have a winner? Okay. Okay. So, I'm so sorry, it's, it's like cricket. Penalty shootout. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So no, I no, it's a draw. Decide. It's like cricket. We spent all this time in no <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm, on the, I, if I. On this, there's two, I'm going to go for the cloud water. Wow, so the, the 2.9% beer yeah. has won. Yeah. Wow. Who saw that coming? Brilliant. Uh, before we uh, before we go tonight, I just want to give a quick mention to uh, the uh, Sheffield University uh, Beer Festival, which is taking place the very beginning of May. Um, so lots of information about it knocking about on the internet. We'll uh, right, we'll tweet yeah. a couple of links as well. Um, so we are recording next month's podcast a little bit later than uh, this month, uh, purely because we want to be able to reflect on uh, on that. Um, but you know, thank you for your company. As ever, we would love your feedback. Drop us an email to beer uh, at sheffieldhopcast.co.uk and um, we'll see you next month. Come back, Laura. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> <laughs>